Welcome to the Amity Bible Church with our pastor, Dr. Les Smith, and to our second week of in-person worship service. We're glad you could make it. Our vision is to become the church that Christ intended it to be, to know God and to make Him known as our mission. And we are committed to loving God, serving others, and are unashamedly obsessed with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1030 Church Service begins now. And you can always catch us online on YouTube, Facebook, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to all three. All right, it's about that time for Praise and Worship with Sharita Howard and the Amity Worship Ministry. Good morning, Amity family and friends. Our God is an awesome God. And this morning we bow down before him and we worship and adore him. So we invite you to help us worship our Lord and our Savior. God, we thank you and we bless you. We bow down before you. We bow down before you, worship and adore you. We give you the highest praise. We give you the highest praise. We bow down bow before down our God. Before you, worship and adore you. We give you the highest praise. For you are God. For you are God. For you are King. And our God reigns victoriously. Lord, you reign victoriously. Come on, we give him the highest praise. We bow down. Bow down before We worship and adore you. We give, we give, we give. We bow down. 
Phillips Cornelius, and I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are just so elated to come together on site to worship in our new location, the Grand Center, here in beautiful Plano, Texas. 
If you are joining us for the first time, we'd love to acknowledge your presence. So please text the word welcome to 469-270-5517. Again, text welcome to 469-270-5517. Our mission here at Amity Bible Church is to know God and make him known. As a congregation, we are committed to John 13, 34, and 35, and we read it together. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let us go to God in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. We praise your name, for you are mighty and greatly to be praised. Lord, we thank you for every gift that you give, every blessing that you bestow upon us. We ask that you forgive us for our sins and own us as your children. We are so blessed to know that we belong to your family. We ask your blessing and your, your mercy on those who are in need of comfort, who've lost loved ones, those who are sick and need healing, because Lord, all things are all power is in your hands. And so we commit ourselves to you, we bless you, we praise your name, and we live to give you glory. In the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Pastor Smith's sermon series this month, Peace Be Still, has given us a blueprint for finding true peace. Today, his sermon, Healing the Great Divide, based on Ephesians 2, 11 through 17, asks, how does trusting God affect our conduct toward one another? How does it inhabit the body of Christ? And how can it dispel chaos and turmoil, turmoil which too often finds its way into the church? Let the, the substance of this message and the answers to these questions inspire you to seek the peace of God that radiates from a heart of faith and humility. To be enriched by our praised and the preached word of God, we invite you to click on subscribe and join our channel. To like today's service, hit thumbs up below the video. Finally, remain online for the announcements. There you'll find many opportunities to engage and connect with the body of Christ here at Amity Bible Church. So remember, subscribe, like, and remain online. God bless you. You're my peace. There's an incredible picture that I have in my mind. Not sure who took the photograph. But the backdrop of the photograph is a tumultuous waterfall. And the water is crashing down. And you can almost hear the thunder of the water. It's almost as if um, nature is about to explode. Tons of water coming down. But in the foreground, there's a small tree. And there's a limb that goes out 
over the waterfall. And there on the waterfall sits a little bird pruning itself, completely oblivious to the storm of the water because he did not find his peace in the absence of trouble. He found his peace in the presence of the one who made him. You are my peace. You are my peace. That is why Horatio Spafford was able, after losing his daughters, to be able to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Amity, would you join me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this privilege that we have together in your presence to acknowledge that you indeed are the Lord of the universe. All power, heaven and earth is in your hands. And when we are in your presence, Father, we're safe. Safe in the arms of Jesus. And for that, we celebrate this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your restoration. Thank you, Father, for the fact that you are still on the throne. Despite the turmoil, despite the difficulty, you are our peace. And for that, we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And thank God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You are my peace. Amadeus, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to uh, a familiar passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read it together, Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading at verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Glory to God, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross." by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. If I were to give you a succinct summary of the message that we plan to give you this morning, it would be this. Since Jesus Christ is the basis for unity in the church, 
And since we all claim to be followers of Christ, then why do we have such difficulty getting along? Why is it that there is so much division and so little peace in the church? I believe the answer is just as succinct as the question. I believe that considering the fact that God brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, we have somehow forgotten that. We have forgotten how far he brought us, and if we cannot appreciate where we came from, we certainly cannot appreciate where we are. Some of you are aware of it. Uh, many of you may not be, but I consider myself a Detroiter. Even though I've lived in Texas for more than 30 years, I lived in Detroit for 13 years. And while my children were born there, I consider myself a Detroiter. But as I, I spent 13 years in Detroit, but I never knew that there was a wall built out near Eight Mile Road. It was built in 1941. And it was built to physically separate black families from white families in that western area. Since 1971, the wall no longer separates black families from white families because most of the white families have left. And so on both sides of the barrier, we have black families. Isn't it interesting that the former president wanted to build a wall on our southern border to keep brown people out, and now the governor of Texas wants to do the same thing. He wants to build a wall to keep people out. How can we consider such a thing if we think about the fact that America, the, the Europeans that came to America came to an occupied America. People were already here who were Americans, and they have been disenfranchised. Somehow we want to dismiss the fact that this nation was built by slaves and populated by immigrants all over the world. What's the problem? America has selective amnesia. We want to remember what we want to remember and forget that which is inconvenient. We even go so far as to legislate that truth not be taught in schools. America does not want to remember who it used to be because we look so much like that today. The Gentiles in the church at Ephesus, they also had selective amnesia. They forgot who they were. And they forgot where they came from, like many of us. See, I, I didn't always wear suits. I didn't always dress up. You see, I came from a very, very poor environment, and I was glad to get any clothes. And I had one suit that I called my Sunday go-to-meeting suit. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul wanted to remind the Gentiles that there was a rift already between God and the people of the world. If we go to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, the first thing that he adds, and this is one of the notes that I want you to, to remember, he said, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. 
He's saying to those Gentiles in Ephesus, you were spiritually dead, but now you are alive in Christ. The second thing he said is that you were controlled by your natural desires, but now you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. He wanted to remind them where they used to be. And then thirdly, he said, you were committed to your old way of living, but now you have a whole new way of life. You ought to say amen, because that represents us. Most of us realize exactly where we came from. We remember the streets we used to run, but now we've been changed. Before the coming of Christ, before Christ stepped into the world as an infant, there was a rift, there was a divide between God and the people of the world. Jesus came to heal that divide. But an interesting thing happens. You know, it means it's, it's, it's interesting that, that you can't even go to your own people. Jesus came to his own, but his own refused him. They rejected their kinsman redeemer and this rejection produced a schism between God and the nation of Israel. Israel was God's chosen people, and he said, Jesus said, I'm a Jew. He says, I came to the Jews to bring the blessings of the Lord. They rejected him. What the Jews missed was the fact that Jesus came as healer. He came to heal the divide, first between God and man, and then to heal the divide between man and man. He did not come to build a wall. The wall was already there. He came to tear the wall down. Let the walls fall down. Glory to God. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make three points as I work through this. And then I'm, we're not going to take a long time. Okay, and the first point I want to make is if you want peace and harmony in the church, remember where you came from. If you want peace and harmony in the church, remember where you came from. Now, I'm going to say if you want peace and harmony in your home or at your office, remember where you came from. Listen to Ephesians 2.11. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, he's talking about ethnicity, he says, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. He said, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Let's work through this. When we forget who we are, when we forget the past, we lose sight of what Christ has done in our lives. I'm going to say that again. When you forget where you come from, when you forget the past, then you lose sight of what God is done for you. Paul wanted the Ephesians to remember some things about the way they were. The first thing he said, rem remembering will have a significant impact on how we live today. I'm going to tell you that that's true of me if it's not true of you because I used to be in a place where I didn't have two nickels to rub together. 
And what that means, you want me to translate that? When I, in my first job, I was making $273 every two weeks, $9,000 a year, right out of college. That's what they were paying me, $9,000 a year. And by the time I got, I got paid uh, twice a month, and by the time that I got uh, all my bills paid, I had $5. I, I had a wife and $5 to go between paychecks. Somebody in here ought to say amen. I'm talking about the fact that I had $5 to stretch. So, how do, brother, how do you stretch $5? Well, at that time, uh, Chef Boyardee, um, uh, macaroni cost 25 cents a can. And since I had one of my little habits, you know, I, I, used, to, I used to like a little nip every now and then, and you could get a bottle of Strohs for 25 cents. So when we went to the corner store, we would get a can of Chef Boyardee, 25 cents. And then my wife would graciously allow me to have a bottle of Strohs, 25 cents. We knew how to manage our nickels. So don't you think that now that I have been, and, and I actually have two nickels to rub together, that, that that has had an impact on my life. I wish you'd say amen in here, because I'm talking to somebody. But I want you to understand, no matter how painful and how disappointing your past may have been, no matter how difficult, maybe no matter how deprived you were, because we are now in Christ, say hallelujah, we don't have to be defined by our past. We remember it, but we don't have to live there. Paul didn't forget it, and he does not want us to forget it. The past should inform our thinking, but it should not dominate our life. I hear people all the time talking about this is the way it was back in the day. I don't want to go back in the day. I remember back in the day, but I'm not going back in the day. The Gentile believers at Ephesus should remember how they were disparaged by the Jews. Let me give you a little information here, do a little marriage counseling. If you want to trash your marriage, then you give in to name-calling. See, that's what happened is it, with the Jews, the, they call the, they call, by, the uns, by the circumcision who simply had physical change, they call them the uncirc, uncircumcision. You remember David? David even went into this name-calling. When he was getting ready to fight Goliath, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is, who is broaching um, the Lord's army. It, David is called a man after God's own heart, but he gave himself to name-calling. You have to be careful. It's amazing how some church people will try to tell you how bad you are while they ignore the condition that they are in. I want you to remember that every time that you point your finger at somebody, there's a finger pointing at you. I wish I had a praying church up in here. Paul's command to the Gentiles was essentially this. Be continually aware of what you are and what you, what you have been. It will enrich your gratitude and your... I, I think that because I grew up poor. <laughs> the marvelous thing is that... that Everybody in the neighborhood was poor. So don't, don't get the impression that, you know, there were rich people around and there were poor people. Everybody was poor. But, but, but I don't remember 
being poor. You know, it, it, we didn't sit on the, in, on the neighborhood and say, you know, we're poor. You know, we don't have anything. We, we would go steal apples and, and, and go get watermelons in somebody's patch or cantaloupes. And then the, the, they had a guy called the pickup man. The pickup man would, would, they would bring out these potato chips and, um, and skins and, and, and they would put them in the store. And after they get past the date, they would come pick them up. Okay, but then the, all, the boys would all gather in a little cluster, and the pickup man would take those packages and kind of throw them out, and we would literally scramble to get those. That's how we live, but, it's fit. but, but I'm grateful now because I can go to Tom Thumb and buy myself a, pack, a, a package of potato chips and take them home and eat them like I got some sense. I wish you I had a praying church. Five things. Paul mentioned to those Gentiles, he said, you had no relationship to Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenant of promise, and you were without hope because you were without God. I want you to understand that they had barriers. When I grew up, when I grew up, my dad worked at the bus station, and... Um, when I went to visit him and I needed a sandwich, I couldn't go into the restaurant to get a sandwich because the restaurant was white only, right over the door, white only. So we had to go around to the kitchen, and they had one little table in the kitchen, and that you could go in and order your hamburger through a little window, and then you could sit there in the kitchen and eat your hamburger. My dad fought to win us the right to go where we want to go, but even he couldn't go in and get a sandwich in the restaurant. That's what I'm talking about. The barriers were there. Jesus came and broke down the barriers for the Gentiles, and he says, you need to remember. I remember so many times with my face against the window pane, looking in, but I couldn't go in. But now in Christ, now in Christ, the doors are open and I just walk right on in. And it's no longer boy. It's no longer, you know, they, they, they say, um, what, what was, was Sidney Poitier the, in, in that movie? Uh, uh, what was that movie? Um, uh, in the heat of the night. And, and, and Ross Steiger says, well, what do they call you in, in Philadelphia? He says, they call me Mr. Tibbs. Okay. I, I really was grateful when now they call me Mr. Smith. And they don't necessarily respect me. They just want my money. You know, the second lesson, and I'm going to drive on. If you want peace and harmony in the church, not only should you remember where you came from, you need to rejoice over where you are. Not just remember where you came from, rejoice over where you are. Look at, listen to um, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. 
by abolishing in his flesh the enemy, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace. We had an accuser. We had an accuser. And that accuser was the law. The law was our schoolmaster. It was not there to get us straight. It was not there so that we would be moral. It was not there so that we could obey it. We did not have the power to obey. The law was there to tell us you are a sinner. But the requirements of the law had to be fulfilled. So Jesus came and healed the divide by abolishing the hostility between God and the Gentiles. What he did is he stepped in and says, I'm not going to get rid of the law. I'm just going to fulfill the law because you couldn't do it. He said, Jesus healed the divide by abolishing that hostility. Jesus is our peace. He is synonymous with peace. To say peace is to say Jesus. And to say Jesus is to say peace. We, it's, it's cliche, but we say all the time, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. I wish I had a praying. That, that peace that passes understanding is not the absence of hostility. It's not the absence of turmoil. It is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. When we trust Christ, we are brought near by his blood. We are no longer foreigners, but we are fellow citizens with all who are a part of the church. If you want, this is the third point, and I'm going to take my seat. If you want peace, and harmony in the church be reconciled to both God and man. First, we have to remember where we came from. We have to rejoice over where we are. And then we have to be reconciled to both God and man. Listen to verses 16 and 17. He says, and, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death, the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Sometimes you need a go-between. Sometimes you need an advocate. Sometimes you need someone to um, speak up for you. I've told you about the times that I traveled uh, with friends uh, to go play golf. And it, one of the things is I played at a golf course uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one of the finest golf courses in the country. It's called Southern Hills. They played the uh, PGA there. They played a number of the prestigious PGA tournaments. They played them at Southern Hill. I, I had the opportunity to play twice over at Southern Hills. We're sitting around waiting for our tea time, and then there's some people who was sitting near us, and they were watching us, watching us. And we could tell that in the, as they were watching us, the question is, what are you doing? In I know you're not a member. I, I know you don't belong. And, and so what are you doing here? And, my, and it's our host sense the tension. 
He, he sensed the challenge that was going, and he stood up, and he said, these are my guests. These are my guests. In other words, we belong because we have an advocate, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. He, he didn't say, these are my guests. He said, these are my brothers and sisters because I laid down my life for them, and they belong. He said he opened up the veil in the temple so that we could approach and get on our knees. We used to have to have the priest who would go in and represent us, but now we can go right in because we belong. Somebody in here ought to say, praise the Lord, because we now are citizens. Citizens. We may be second-class citizens down here, but we got a first-class ticket I got my ticket in my hand, and I am ready. I'm ready. God's blessings are available for us to enjoy as individuals, but it's also available to us as believers. Jesus came, and he had one purpose in mind. He, his father sent him, and he says, I got a job for you. He said, I've got some children down there that I can't hug, that I can't love because they are so distant from me. They don't know me. They can't approach me. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to make everything right with them. I want them to be able to approach you. To reconcile means to be, make right a relationship. And so Jesus made right that relationship. We need to remember where we came from. We may not be what we ought to be, but thank God we are not what we used to be. I, we, 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 were, we were mongrels. We, we didn't have a pedigree. But now, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been washed, we have been made whole, and we are now citizens of the kingdom. Now, if you're here, if you're listening to my voice, and you've never trusted Christ, this is your opportunity Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried and God raised him from the dead. And so I want to invite you to trust Christ in this moment. I, I, he will even give you the faith to put your trust in him. Remember that Jesus came to heal the divide between you and God and to heal the divide between you and your brothers and sisters. But what you have to do is trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Would you join me as we go to the Lord in prayer, as I ask him to bring this healing into your life. Father, I pray right now that you would just anew let us feel your spirit. I pray that for those who have never trusted Christ, for those who are struggling with turmoil and chaos in their lives. I pray that they might be able to know peace. Help them to see, Father, that they have no peace 
because they have no Jesus. But if they want to know peace, they have to know Jesus. And all they have to do is turn from trusting themselves, turn to trusting Christ. So we pray that they'll do that in this moment. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and thank God. If you believed, if you heard, if you trusted, and you want someone to come alongside of you to encourage you, I'm going to ask you to text the word salvation to 469-809-1177. One of our team will get back to you and walk you through the process of knowing Jesus Christ personally. And if you'd like to be a part of our ministry in a tangible way, we're going to ask you to text the word GIVE to 469-416-4262. And we appreciate even the smallest gift. If you would rather go online, then it's amitybc.org forward slash giving. Pull down the Give Now tab and follow the instructions. And if you'd like to send us a traditional communication, it's Amity Bible Church, Post Office Box 852643, Richardson, Texas, 75085. Thank you all so much for spending the morning with us. Thank you for um, allowing us to come into your living room or into your bedroom so that we might share God's word with you. I hope that you were encouraged. I hope that you understand that Jesus came to heal the great divide, and now we have access by virtue of his finished work on the cross. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you and we'll see you next time. Thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church as we broadcast virtually. Whatever we can do to help, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us or receive these and other sermon notes. Visit us at AmityBC.org. Until next week, be blessed.